that came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The from outer space. And it is officially October, boys. Uh, getting ready for the World Series coming up. We got hockey season about to kick off. Getting ready to carve some fucking pumpkins. <laughs> Adam's probably going to grab a pumpkin spice latte tomorrow on his way to work. Oh, real mature asshole. And we're getting into X-Files Part 2, and it's the podcast from outer space. It's your boy Rob Scott. We got Adam Narlock in the house. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. And as always, it's Ryan Scott. Hello, hello, far and wide, evening or night, wherever you may be. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, As I said before, it is Part 2 of the X-Files. And this little man will take it away. And we are back again, continuing our descent off of the deep end diving board into the pool that is the X Files. <laughs> you like? Is that? there a shallow end diving board? Buddy? Yes, that's probably like so weird. For you know, you? the kids. Oh, okay, kids. Okay, okay. That's for the kids. I don't think there's a diving board in the shallow end. Now, in part <laughs> one, we took you through the background of Mister Carter, not Lil um, Wayne. Yep, we looked at several precursors, some real and fictional influences on the man. And in this episode, we will get into a breakdown of the show, looking at some top-ranked episodes, um, including our favorites, the show's eventual downfall, and most importantly, some real-life X-Files. Because, guys, this stuff is real. Oh, yeah. So, keep your head on a swivel. (laughs) <laughs> because there's a lot of crazy shit out there. The truth is out there. Let's get right into it. The X-Files, originally airing from September of 93 to May of 2002. It spanned nine seasons and consisted of 202 episodes. Now, there are also two movies, and there has since been a 10th and 11th season, which we will get into in our third part. But today, we are going to keep it OG and discuss seasons one through nine. Now, T-Bag, just for you, uh, so seasons one through four had a Friday time slot of 9 p.m. Well, that's after my bedtime. And then it moved to Sundays. Even on Fridays? Is it, we're talking about in the 90s? Yeah, by season four, I think like four episodes into season four, um, it moved to Sundays. Maybe that's what I remember. The same 9 p.m. time slot. Yeah, you were saying it was it was either Saturday or Sunday right after The Simpsons. And right before I went to bed, freaked me out, man. There you go. Yeah. So there you go, confirmed uh, Sunday time slot. Freaked you out and you didn't even watch it. Yeah, it freaked me out. You are freaking <laughs> out, man. Now, the show was shot mostly in Vancouver for the first five seasons before eventually moving to L.A. from the sixth season onward. Oh, that's why the end of it sucked. Now, most memorable episodes for you guys, what do we got? What are we thinking? The pilot, because it's the only <laughs> one I watched. Apparently, I watched the wrong season. I didn't know there was 11 seasons until it was too late. So, now... Let's just get this right out there in the airwaves itself. Um, you never a fan of the show. I don't think it's not that I wasn't a fan. Like I watched the first episode and I I appreciated it. So you can be our our skeptic guy. Well, you know. Well, <laughs> already skeptical of being the you're, skeptic. Yeah, <laughs> you're our by the book, our um, government shill, if you will. I want to raise. 
<laughs> For what? Watching one episode? One and a half. <laughs> what are you, a kid? Okay. What about you, Rob? I wipe my own ass. Hey. Um, I would say Paperclip is a good one. You're okay. making that up. I'm, no, that's good. an actual episode. I'm no, being skeptical. I actually have watched the show. Oh. Past <laughs> <laughs> the pilot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Eve is a good one. Okay. That's what we talked about in our Stranger Things episode. And Home that we just watched was pretty good. Is that the last episode that I was supposed to watch? No. Okay. (laughs) A really creepy episode, though. No, I talked about it last time, the episode that freaked me out when I was a kid, remember? Um, Dad, like, telling me I could watch it, freaked me out. Piper (laughs) Maru was that one. Uh, Season 3, episode 15. Now I remember it really disturbed me as a kid. I rewatched it some years ago. Sounds like a porn star. Yeah, not that uh, scary, honestly. Well, what was it about? Um, Save me from having to watch this. It was like Jesus. one of the first Black Oil episodes, which is an occurring theme of like uh, alien, like Exxon. Um, oh, imagine if Exxon was aliens. Okay, Black, they like are. you get this goo on you. You know, in the movie when the kid falls in the hole and he's got it. Coming up his neck and his eyes. That's You're the black oil. Of venom. No, that's the black oil. Similar to Venom. Okay. Not so, like the movie Alien. Basically, Deep Diver gets infected with this stuff and uh, Mulder's on the case. All right. Now, another episode that is most memorable for me, also Home. Uh, probably just the most fucked up episode I can think of. Uh, and we got a whole spiel on this later. Good, because I got a lot of questions. Now, favorite characters. Who do we got? What are, we, what are we thinking, you guys? Skeptics or believers? We've already established that T-Bag is a skeptic, so I'm assuming your favorite character is Scully? Is that the red-headed, left-handed chick? Yes. Oh, yeah. Big fan. Love the work. Love the body of work. Specifically the body. Yes. I'm more of a David Duchovny kind of guy. <laughs> you would be. So you're a Fox Mulder over here, Fox fan. Now, real quick... Who would, in your opinion, is the show about? Who's the main protagonist? I feel like Mulder's always more involved. Teabag? Which one? You guys watched one episode. Any Which rebuttal? one's the chick? Scully. Scully. Yeah, well, I got the impression when I watched that episode it was about Mulder. Man, well, you guys are complete 180. I would think the show is about her. Well, and that's where you're wrong. You're putting that pussy on the pedestal. Well, think about it. She is the one assigned to go work with Mulder, right? Mm, so if like it, a Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, like if, uh, I mean, Mulder is already existing off somewhere else. Mm. She's the one that we see, hey, go work with this guy. Spooky Mulder. Great nickname, by the way. Spooky. <laughs> so we call Dennis. Yeah, now, um, while we're on the characters, so David Duchovny, um, Fox Mulder, was actually a big horror fan growing up. Uh, amongst his top films in the genre, he cites Texas Chainsaw Massacre as one of his favorites. Now, he stayed with the show for seven seasons, uh, returned part-time for season eight, and made his way back for the final episode, The Truth, uh, in season nine. Now, he also won a Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Dramatic Series in 97 and directed three episodes and contributed to a number of stories throughout the show. Now, you're telling me he was not in season 11. Yes. What did I say right up top? 
We are discussing the OG seasons one through nine. I was honestly asking. <laughs> seasons, <laughs> the two movies I'm and just clarifying for ten. our loyal Legion of <laughs> Listeners, Eleven. They have a lot of questions. Okay, okay. Now, Jillian Anderson, mm. uh, Dana Scully, your favorite. Mm. Actually, almost not given the role because the suits at Fox said she was not their traditional bosom-heavy Pamela Anderson type. Classic Fox. A different Classic. Anderson. Um, much more expensive. <laughs> now, that, now, how's that for just some sexism in Hollywood? They just wanted some bimbo with big tits out here debunking the cases? Oh, well, You probably would have liked that. You were obsessed with Pam Anderson growing up. Hey, I was young. Hey, now, <laughs> I wouldn't mind her debunking a few cases. Now, uh, Mr. Carter, he did say, hey, basically, fuck you guys. She's getting the part. Um, and she also won a Golden Globe in 97, amongst others, mm. other awards. Uh, and her role has since been held as a historic role for females in TV. And she was frequently seen as a feminist icon. Now, what if it actually was Pam Anderson? You guys thinking better or worse? Definitely would have been worse. As far as like acting and stuff? I guess. If you can call it that. Well, I'm just saying young me probably would have watched the show. <laughs> okay. Oh, past your bedtime, little guy? <laughs> That's probably what the suits at Fox were thinking. They just wanted to appeal to old teabag, young teabag. I was the target audience. All right. Okay. Okay. So now... That's bringing us right into this week's Breakdown. Rock and roll! <laughs> now, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you guys hear the words X-Files? I got two things. Okay. What is do we got? Okay? <laughs> yep. All right. <clears throat> the first sounds like Rob's favorite pornographic <laughs> pornographic what <laughs> the first sounds like rob's favorite pornographic film okay the second sounds like a blog i should write about ex-girlfriends okay that's coming from somebody who doesn't watch the show what about you so adam's starting a blog called x files spelled e-x <laughs> subscribe and like it's about all the blondes that have ruined his life <laughs> the, all the ones that got away She'll never know. What comes to my mind? Fox, dude. <laughs> the network? TV channel? <laughs> Fox Mulder, that is. Okay, so you just see David Duchovny's face yep. in hearts. Well, and you have... I <laughs> <laughs> didn't say that. You literally said Scully was the protagonist, and you think of David Duchovny. No, I think Scully's protagonist. Wow. We think Mulder. Not even listening. Shut he up. He thinks Mulder. He's with you, Adam. Yeah. So you think Mulder is the protagonist, but you think of David Duchovny when you think of the X-Files. Mulder is <laughs> David Duchovny. <laughs> All right. Well, you're right, Jesus Christ. I can't keep him straight, man. I swear I did research for this. Yeah, okay. Right, dude. Okay, so... Nobody thinks of the intro music. Oh, absolutely. All right, well. <laughs> okay, so of course, we all hey. know the legendary <laughs> intro and remember the song by Mark Snow, right? That one? That's, <laughs> yeah. all, that's all Adam actually knows about it. <laughs> um, that's it, man. Now, this did become a Vine. You guys see the Vine compilations? I don't Mine's think dead. so. Mine's dead. All right, well, this can be our Just Google It then. Yeah, there's a whole Vine compilation out there with the song in it. Um, for the younger crowd out there, you know, 
Um, these guys are all stuck in their phones, so maybe that's the only thing they know about the show. Um, Still more than me. Great fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> While arguably the intro may not have held up to time, it was groundbreaking when the show uh, first came out. It actually won the show its first Emmy for Outstanding Graphic Design and Title Sequences. And why wouldn't it? You know, it's just great design it is now while the credits um for different cast members may have changed throughout nine seasons the core elements and graphics pretty much stayed the same and the intro actually has a lot of meaning behind it um and one of the last images we see with um credit to chris carter over it is the close-up of a human eye now according to old john muir who wrote the book, X-Files FAQ, which is where a majority of this research comes from, um, this I symbolizes, hey, all the stuff is out there. Um, it's up to you as to what you see or don't see. Are you going to see the truth or are you only going to see the cover-up and lies? And furthermore, this plays into the dynamic of the protagonists themselves saying, hey, are you going to see things through the lens of skepticism or belief? Mm. The truth is out there. Now, let's get to the pilot episode. You guys familiar? I actually did watch this one. <laughs> now, uh, this is the episode that started all gave birth to a new generation of TV steeped in skepticism, belief, truth, and myth. Um, now, the pilot episode, right in the intro, we get the title card that this story is documented from true accounts, mm -hmm. right? Um, now, this is the same ploy we see in numerous times in horror movies. Um, Texas Chainsaw, Paranormal Activity, Blair Witch. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the list is endless. Now, this is commonly done to already put the viewer in the mindset of, um, you know, hey, this isn't a retelling, but no one's saying it couldn't happen, you know? I mean, what what are your thoughts on that whole, like, uh, true horror movies, like Amityville Horror actually happened no none of that happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh a lot of times they're like yeah this is based on true events the one true event was that um maybe one time a car drove down the road and then they just made a whole movie around <laughs> put a whole movie around that i mean that guy actually killed his whole family yeah but none of the haunting and any of that stuff ever happened that was a proven hoax oh you were there you want to do an episode on it? Yeah, I do. Okay, you going to do the research? Yeah, I will. Okay. You, you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. Amityville. Maybe we'll do that for Halloween. Maybe we will. Ryan okay. Reynolds. Now, see, I'm not a big fan of the genre as a whole. Not yeah, into, we know that. Yeah, You're well, afraid of a lot of things. You scare no, that's easily. Not, that's not. Didn't even watch um, X-Files. Weak not stomach. Not what it is. Blood makes you queasy. No, I used to be an EMT. I've seen shit. Not a fan of the genre, but like, I, you know, like if I yeah, see. Yeah, used to be. Yeah. Couldn't handle the blood. I was the new guy over in the corner peeking <laughs> my brains out. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan of the genre, but like the only ones like I believe are like like the exorcism movies. Okay. Freak me out, dude. I feel like that shit could actually happen. So you're a big religious guy. I wouldn't say big, but 
we got Tim Tebow in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the do rag is for. Okay. All right. So you think that the exorcism movies are the most true? Like I think that's the one thing that could actually happen. Okay, not um, like what about like serial killer movies, like Silence of the Lambs. Hello, Clarice. (laughs) All right, well now you just freaked me out for the rest of the night. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Also, this aspect um, of the whole, you know, based in reality. This is uh, borrowing from shows like One Step Beyond, which we talked about last week. uh, Twilight Zone aspects, where we've got the bridge of fact and fiction. Um, you know, a little bit of both in these X-Files over here. Uh, also, similar to this podcast, you know, we always try to say, hey, this is straight up science fiction, but here's the reality. You know, we try to um, clear up the fuzziness, if you will. We um, give you the pieces. Yeah, you got to put them together. Yes, yes. You are connecting the dots that we have laid out in front of you. So first episode, boom, Dana is assigned to go down and work for old Spooky Mulder. Um, he works on strange unsolved cases. And at first Fox is like, Hey, this is set up. She's here to debunk my life's work, my work, my files. Um, just like Jay Allen Hynek was brought on to debunk UFOs. Look what happened to him. Mm. Became a believer. Uh, now we are introduced to the possibility of aliens right off the bat. Uh, Scully finds an implant in a mysterious body. Um, she does the autopsy on like the exhumed body, right? They think it's like a chimpanzee yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, they don't really don't know what it is. Um, they don't know. <laughs> they also have like, they both experience lost time, common thread in UFO abductees. Mm. Um, a suspicious fire burns all their evidence, but Scully does have the implant, which she has taken. And, in the end, the cigarette smoking man stores this in a vast file storage system type warehouse inside the Pentagon. Spoilers. The truth is out there. Now, this ending scene, what is this similar to? What are we thinking of when we saw this scene? Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark. <laughs> um, just like the Ark is being tucked away inside this giant Area 51 type warehouse in Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is similar. This was like their ode to Steven Spielberg. Um, Got the cigarette smoking man placing this implant in this file storage um, of the Pentagon. And both cases involve the truth being hidden away by the government. And this is more or less the whole myth arc of the show. Um, It's always a cover up. It's always the government suppressing the knowledge. Am I right, guys? Just like life. Yep. I mean, just like we saw in our Watergate episode, just Ooh. like is still going on to this day. Big problem in the U.S. What is our thoughts on this whole aspect of the show where it's like um, each episode uh, that plays into the whole myth arc episodes, it's like small steps, um, small clues, one by one, uncover um slowly this grand conspiracy uh, you know they say they did this to like make it more believable like they're not hitting you with all this crazy shit just right off the bat no um, it was pretty crazy right off the bat you think so oh yeah imagine the 90s is a simpler time okay um now what is one conspiracy that you guys would never believe in global warming that's not a conspiracy <laughs> <laughs> Dude, all like the best ones I can think of is JFK murder, 
9-11. Liquor before beer. That the Egyptians were actually visited by aliens and not some ancient gods. Okay, so you'll basically believe anything. <laughs> and I'm, I'm the skeptic. <laughs> I'm not believing all of it, but I'm saying those are some pretty uh, believable conspiracies. So there's nothing you think? Chemtrails, uh, Flat Earth, um... Flat Earth isn't a conspiracy. That's just fucking idiots. That is, by definition, a conspiracy Okay, theory. well, then we'll go with Fucking flat idiots Earth. is the definition of conspiracy now. No, well, Flat Earth. Uh, okay. Well, All right, we'll what about you? Flat Earth, and we'll go with chemtrails, because both those are fucking stupid. What about you, T-Bag? Anything out there? Harp, FEMA camps, um, Holocaust deniers. Ligma. Ligma. Holocaust deniers? Yeah, Jesus. that's a conspiracy theory. That's true. Okay, I, I have a hard time supporting those guys. All right, maybe we do some episodes we do. where we give you guys little clues, turn you into believers right here on the air. Little clues? Let us know your <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> yeah. We're like blues clues. Yeah. Uh, all right, so on to some top-rated episodes. Now, um, I pulled this list for you guys, and now most of the – I put together like a combination of many different lists from sites like uh, IGN, Variety, um, any of those classic sites you get when you um, search for uh, top X-Files episodes. What I came up with, top episodes rated out there by viewers, in no particular order, Jose Chung's From Outer Space, Beyond the Sea, Home, mm. Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose, and Triangle. And some honorable mentions that were on most lists are Memento Mori and Bad Blood. The Taylor Swift song. Yes. Now, according to the Nielsen ratings, uh, Leonard Betts, which is the 12th episode of the fourth season, is the most watched episode to date. Uh, these are based on the original ratings. Over 29 million viewers tuned in. That's pretty good for a Sunday night at night. <laughs> and that's just because you get to see Scully naked. Uh, that's Shut actually up. false. <laughs> just trying to get this oh yeah, you would go episode. watch it, Leonard Betts. <laughs> I was gonna go home and for sure look that up. Now, this is it is the one about the like cancer guy. It's like a guy that's fully made of cancer. Oh, pretty cool graphics though. Uh, now, most disturbing episodes. Um, this is according to yours truly, and these episodes frequently make most lists. Um, like when you search. Uh, scariest episodes um but you know these are the ones that i thought were the most fucked up we got the host season two episode two written by mr carter himself um this is probably the best i'm thinking monster of the week episode um, the fluke man yep this features the infamous fluke man and honestly you know i was reading about this one pretty smart episode um in this guy john muir's breakdown uh in the book i mentioned earlier Seventeen ninety nine on Amazon.com. Uh, not a sponsor, but hey, we're looking. <laughs> so in this book, uh, this guy, this episode is like, um, what'd you say? They'd like discover these weird bite marks and they have to track down this uh, guy who's evolved from like aftermath of like toxic waste in the ocean. Strange bite um, marks. You're sure this isn't the pilot? I watched that one. No, this is Fluke Man. Dude. All right. All he's right. in these... Uh, they are kind of uncovering small clues, small steps along the way. Mm. With this episode, uh, the focus becomes the underside of American society. 
You know, we all flush our toilets. We all throw shit away without really thinking too much about what happens after, right? Sometimes I think about it. Really? Now, what do you think? It's like McGilligan's pool with your shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Remember the Dr. Seuss book, McGilligan's Pool? He's fishing in the little hole, and it goes, like, way out that's connected to the ocean. And his toilet? No, dude. It's just a little pool. But I'm saying that's, like, you could think of that with your shit going down the toilet. <laughs> Not what I was thinking, but... Well, what do you think about when you think about it? <laughs> I was it? just kidding. I, was <laughs> so just, don't I don't think you were kidding. Okay, there you go. You don't really think about that much. Um, what, if you th- what if your shit's just going right onto the Ninja Turtles? You ever think about that? Well, now I will. Well, now people probably will. Oh, McGilligan's pool. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> I had to look it up. Now I was confused. You know. Is it not McGilligan? McGilligan. McGilligan's pool. Look that one up. Close, close enough. Now. Yeah. There is an entire industry out there devoted to the aftermath of, um, you know, human waste. And the host shines a light on this industry. Um, And this is an industry that a majority of society would kind of rather not think about. And that is honestly where the true terror lies. Yeah, but now you got me thinking about it. In the sewer systems? Yeah, and you get scared, right? (laughs) Doo-doo monsters, dude. It might be doo-doo. I always got scared of porta potties after I saw this episode because yes. he's like hiding in the porta john, you know? Mm. Now, some other disturbing episodes, um, if you are so inclined. I mean, Halloween's coming up. We're, got, we're trying to get spooked. We're trying to get scared. We're watching creepy stuff all month. So um, maybe check these out. Um, Irresistible, season two, episode 13, also written by Mr. Carter. Now, this one is a serial killer fetish guy who collects hair and fingernails of his victims. Uh, this is actually one of the few episodes with no paranormal elements. Just one sick bastard. Another one you can check out. Now, Adam, nope. we got a reading on this? Nope. <laughs> die Hand, Die Verletzt. You took German in high school and I'm, we burned your German book. No yeah, more. we did nothing in the class. <laughs> So shout out Harry Bradshaw. Uh, yeah, Die Hand, Die Verletzt, uh, season two, episode fourteen. This was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong. Check this one out. It involves devil worshiping. Uh, if you're into that sort of stuff, and another one that involves witchcraft is Sanguinarium, uh, season four, episode six. This was written by Vivian and Valerie Mayhew. What the um, fuck is a Sanguinarium? I don't know, man. Honestly. I mean, does anybody know? Do we have a reading on that? We got a lot of questions. Okay. What do we got? Well, first I got your German, the hand that wounds. Yeah. All about devil worshipers. Well, that would make sense. What's the other one? Sanguinarium. I mean, I think it was made up for the title of the show. I don't think that's an actual word. We're going to find out. Active vampirism. Okay. Hmm. Well, check those out. You um, learn something new every day, folks. If you want to get disturbed. Um, but of course, the coup de gras. The coup de gras is, of course, home. <laughs> Season four, episode two. Uh, now, this one is about an inbred family of mongoloid freaks. I was reading this in the outline last night while watching the episode. Fucked my night up, dude. Oh, yeah. I can't even watch this one. Oh, this one is real fucked up. I mean, it's 
it's often cited as the most disturbing, most fucked up, uh, and we'll get into why. Now, I don't want to spoil the episode for those that haven't seen it. Go check it out. Um, they didn't even really... I mean, we talked about this, I think, a little bit on our Stephen King Part 1 episode, mm. which was our second episode. Um, now, at this time, they did not have viewer discretion warnings. Um, those didn't come along in the U.S. until ninety six. Uh, it didn't really become mainstream until 97. Um, this is also the first episode of The X-Files to get a viewer discretion warning and the first TV show in America and only TV show of The X-Files, only episode of The X-Files to have a TV MA and be yanked from Fox permanently. Wow. was only re-aired once on Halloween in 1999. Hmm. And they actually took out an ad in newspapers that were like, check out this ad I pulled. Um, I'll put this on the Instagram. It was like, only on Halloween are you going to watch like the most controversial banned episode of The X-Files. And they had like the air date. It's been banned for three years. That's crazy. Yeah. Now. Um, with the Fox. I know. Also, in that episode, they use a Johnny Mathis song, Wonderful, Wonderful. And they actually showed him the script. And this guy was the guy who wrote the song, Johnny Mathis, so disturbed that he refused the rights to his song. And instead, they had to um, get the rights to a sound-alike cover by another singer, Kimmy J- Kenny James. So that's, that just shows you how fucked up it is. Now, some of this was based off a documentary called Brothers Keeper. You guys ever heard about this? Never heard of it. Syracuse over here might have. Yeah, this is uh, this was a documentary about a rural farming community up by Syracuse. Um, four brothers live in a dilapidated house, just like in the X Files episode. Four brothers, like my own four fantasy football team. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Although in X Files, it's three brothers. Mm. Now in real just life, like us. these brothers were Roscoe, uh, Lyman George. Uh, William J. and Albert Daniel, also known as Delbert. Uh, the men were barely literate, had no formal education. And Sounds like us. <laughs> they farmed land that had been in their family for generations. Not like us. Now, William Ward, who had been ill for years, was found dead one morning. Uh, Delbert was accused of killing him, perhaps by smothering. Uh, the prosecution's theory was that Delbert had uh, done this as a mercy killing to put him out of his misery because he had like uh, his health was declining for years, a um, bunch of headaches. Um, oh, you got a headache? Guess what? You're well, <laughs> no, it was more. It was more than that. And uh, as the film progresses, it is revealed that uh, during a coroner's examination <laughs> of William's body, they found jizz. On the clothing and on William's leg. Is that the medical terminology they use in the show? Well, no, but, you know. It uh, looks like there's some jizz on his leg here, doctor. What would you call it? What would you call it? Semen. Okay. All they right. found some semen for you uh, baby ears out there. <laughs> uh, on the clothing and William's leg, leading to the suggestion that Delbert had killed William in, quote, sex gone bad. Mm. Sex with his own brother. You believe that? That's definitely gone bad. However, 
The film never follows up on this. Couple of brothers fucking each other. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't follow up on that. That's not a uh, point of investigation for them. Maybe they this? just thought that he was jerking off on him, got some on his leg. Killed him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what we, oh, no, never mind. The guy that got jizz on him was killed. Yeah. So it's not like he so was so... So this guy not only jerked off on his brother, <laughs> he then killed I would him. probably die if one of you motherfuckers jerked off. Often it hit me. Just kill me right now. <laughs> it's over, boys. <laughs> okay. Okay. Smother me. <laughs> All right, let's bring it back down. With your fucking jizz rag. So this, pat, pat, pat. <laughs> this guy, Delbert, he was acquitted at trial largely because of lack of any physical evidence. And the New York State Police violated Delbert's rights by coercing a confession which he later retracted and they had him sign a written statement which he could not understand because he was illiterate mm. if um, the jizz don't fit you must acquit <laughs> well it did fit uh, but they acquitted anyways in the documentary it's like um, they're showing two opposite views um, one of these brothers like one opinion is of the locals who defend them saying that hey they're just like simple country folk that just want a simple way of life. They want to be left alone. Just trying to jerk off on each other. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> and the other is that of the press who stereotype the brothers as uneducated hicks. Well, this movie sounds more fucked up than the fucking episode. Exactly. That's why. Now, what's the difference between being seen as simple country folk or uneducated hicks? That's just, it sounds like just two different words for the same thing. I guess, but I'd rather have someone refer to me as a simple country folk. Yeah, I guess, but I just... Can I just say, like, in all the years that we've known each other... and we You would never jerk off on us? Like, I'm glad that we never <laughs> crossed that line with all the pranks that we've played on each other. It never went that far. I appreciate that. That's like an unspoken agreement. Hey, well... We are um, far superior than those uneducated hicks <laughs> in upstate New York. <laughs> if only they didn't jerk off on each other, they could win a football game. Another big influence was an entry in Charlie Chaplin's book titled My Autobiography. This one weirded me out too, man. In an excerpt, he describes staying at a tenement home in Ebby Vale, Wales. Uh, Chaplin says that the host was like, hey, you know, I like this guy. He's a funny motherfucker. He's got a cool mustache. He never talks. Um, we're going to take him to the kitchen after dinner uh, to show him something. And upon opening a kitchen cupboard, Chaplin recalls... A half man with no legs, an oversized blonde, flat-shaped head, a sickening white face, a sunken nose... A large mouth and powerful muscular shoulders and arms called out, Hey, Gilbert, jump, said the father, and the wretched man lowered himself slowly, then shot up by his arms almost the height of my head. How do you think he'd fit in with the circus? The human frog, they call him. Now, Chaplin says the guy proceeded to hop around on uh. his arms as the family clapped and danced, and he was so horrified he could hardly answer. However, he did suggest the names of several circuses. <laughs> That's some wrong turn, Silent Hill. Hey, it influenced the most disturbing episode of X-Files of all time. Like, do you think that really happened? Oh, 100%, dude. Charlie Chaplin couldn't lie, right? Whales? 
You ever been there? He never told a lie. <laughs> he chopped down that cherry tree. Now, what what was some stuff? Because this got me thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, cable TV, obviously, like we talked about on our It episode, this wasn't. We grew up in an age before viewer discretion warnings. Before you could get pornography on a cell phone. Yeah, you know, you could kind of trick your parents into thinking, "Hey, this is okay for me to watch." Um, Probably watch shit we shouldn't have, snunk downstairs, watch shit. What were some stuff that you guys saw on cable TV as young lads that just deeply disturbed you? Anything? Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. Now, that was on cable? Man, that really must have fucked you up because you mentioned that last week as well. Anything you want to talk about, buddy? Cable? (laughs) And what was so disturbing you thought about it? Just weird, dude. Yo, imagine going to sleep and that shit yeah. coming at you. I'm every time you. you go to every time you go to sleep, this guy's coming out of your bed. He's coming out of your fucking. Okay. okay. You can't go anywhere. He's coming out of your bathtub. All right. It, anything for you, teabag? Not on TV. I mean, like I don't remember watching specific shows, but remember, remember there used to be a channel, and you had to go to the channel to see what was on TV. Like if you stay in a hotel now, guide TV channel? guide. Yeah, like a TV guide channel, but they don't really got that anymore. Yeah, they do. But you'd be going like it would slowly be going through, oh, and you okay. could read yeah, what yeah, things yeah. were about, and like just reading things, I'd be like, "Oh, I would never watch that." Like, <laughs> so you got disturbed from reading? Well, on cable TV, yeah. Well, if we what did you talk read? about movies? We'll talk about movies later on. But you got anything that was disturbing that you read that you remember? No. So it must have not been that disturbing. I guess. I'm talking shit you saw that just fucked up your little child mind. Anything? Well, not on cable TV, no. <laughs> I mean, little like, child. Ren and Stimpy got banned in my house, but I don't think it's because it fucked oh, yeah. up my mind. I think it's just, That's just my fart jokes and yeah. dick jokes. So it's like this podcast. TV wise, there wasn't really that much that was scary. Man, you guys, you guys. Cable be- TV, or what about Disney? Didn't didn't I see something about like don't look under the bed? <sighs> That's one of mine. Right. That shit's still scary. Yeah. Some of the goosebumps were pretty creepy. The ones where they, uh, their parents are aliens. Oh, yeah, that's a weird one. Uh-huh. I could still never find that episode. No, now, it's on. I've seen it on. Well, it was on Netflix. What about, um, what made you so scared that you thought bad guys were going to come in the back stairs and you had to move rooms? Was that Home Alone? America's Most Wanted. Probably. I don't know. No, it wasn't <laughs> Home Alone. Wasn't home alone. <laughs> I was, that was in response to Adam. Uh, I remember like seeing an episode of of Law and Order or something. I remember mm. I had this like little Ooh. mini portable TV. I got you. Now. And I saw a preview when I was because l- just like you, I could like watch TV with my parents, and then I had to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And it was a preview for the episode of like some crazy murder. And I was like, dude, I have to watch this. And I stayed up with like the rabbit ears, got the episode, and watched it in my room. And that really scared the shit out of me. I was hanging out with my grandpa one night. He fell asleep watching Walker, Chuck Norris. You know what I'm talking about? Texas Walker Ranger. Yep. yep, Texas Ranger Walker. What is it? Walker, Texas. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The one way you didn't say it. Yeah, you were getting there. So I remember, like, this prison bus was going down the road. I think it was in Texas. And, like, this guy guy had this, like, crucifix necklace and, like, picked the locks on his handcuffs. And, like, broke out of jail. Oh, dude, I remember that See? one. See? Freaked me out, dude, because I was like, great. So like, it obviously disturbed you as well. I didn't... He just remembered it. It disturbed remember. me, dude. That's what I'm saying. I'm I always worried these crazy. crazy. I yeah. was oh, okay. worried about it. Because you knew Chuck Norris is going to beat that ass. <laughs> <laughs> Real was, proper. Dude. Okay. Uh, I also remember this. 
Elizabeth Smart story. Mm. It was like some Lifetime movie. Yeah, and that I, wasn't like too long ago. Why the fuck ago. were you watching that? I just saw it. I remember seeing some he fucking... He read the TV guide. Channel got intrigued. Nah, they, no, they made a remake not that long ago, but this one was in like 2002 or three or something. Yeah. And I remember the trailer for some reason just scared the fuck out of me because it was the old guy like telling her to get out of bed and abducting her. Mm. Oh man, this was so weird. That freaked me out. Um, obviously Piper Maru, as we talked about, really scared me. Um, don't look under the bed. I remember there, there was also some, are you afraid of the dark episodes? Yep. Cause I remember watching that and I mean, Rob was older cause he would tell me, get out of here. You're not seven. Cause it was <laughs> TVY seven. True story. Good. That's a good big brother. Hey, but I, I, uh, watched anyways and some shit really scared me. Now, one thing I just is seared in my mind but i don't know if it's real or if it was a dream that i had or if it was rob telling me stories do you remember it was either spider-man the animated series or one of those types of 90 superhero cartoons it was like a, a villain guy called like chair face or chair head <laughs> chair head <laughs> yeah who was that i remember we had a chair that had a face on it and that well, chair was creeping me out Yes, this guy. What is that? The Tick. The Tick. Okay, and what's the episode? Chairface Chippendales. <laughs> that's the episode? No, that's his name. Chippendale? The Tick. He's got a damn chair for a head. First appearance, The Moon Menace. Okay, so The Moon Menace, Chairface Chippendale. For some reason, that shit scared the fucking living piss out of me looking at it is pretty creepy i well i remember specifically like i think we watched the episode and we were home by ourselves and raw i like locked myself in the um downstairs bathroom because rob was like running around with a chair like that <laughs> up by his head and i got a damn newspaper saying that he saw like chair face and it just like that traumatized me man you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> Great big brother right there. Yeah. So um, that's another just Google it right there. Chairface Chippendale. <laughs> real, real scary guy. Don't forget the chairface. Don't forget the Chippendale. Now, any other, any other stuff that disturbed you guys? On cable or in general? Yeah, on cable. Or, all right, just in, I'll open it up to in general. Okay, well, I remember going to, it wasn't Blockbuster. Was the other movie rental place there was when you were a kid? Hollywood video? Not Hollywood. I don't know. Anyway, Adam and Eve? You're unbelievable. <laughs> I went into this movie store. I'm going to have to look it up. And I remember walking past like the kids section. I was real little, probably like six, <clears throat> maybe seven. Okay. Maybe eight. Five, seven. <laughs> okay. But I remember walking past like the kids section. There was this anime, and I couldn't tell you what it was called, but I remember it was an anime. Chris and, probably knows what it is. He might. So shout out, Chris, if you're listening. And there was this dude, like, big, creepy thing, and, like, this chick all scared and, like, half naked and stuff. And I was like, this freaks me out, man. Okay. I don't know why, but, like, it's me. Man, you got to find out what that is. Yeah. We got to bring that up. Yeah. Okay. Just the cover of the movie freaked me out. Um, now, the downfall of the show. Um, as is evident with any good TV series. All good things must come to an end. Yep. As did The X-Files in 2001. Um, R.I.P. During this year, ratings for the season fell dramatically. Uh, critics blamed it on what they considered an increasingly incoherent story arc, the uh, myth arc episodes, um, while the cast and crew 
said the drop in viewership was due to uh, September 11th attacks. Mm. Thanks a lot, Bin Laden. <laughs> now, regardless, uh, Fox eventually decided to cancel the series. Last episode was a two-parter titled The Truth, which aired on May 19th, 2002, viewed by a little over 13 million. Yeah, just a small 13 million. Yep, just a small 13 million. Now, all that aside, let's get to the real stuff, guys. We ready? This is what we are bringing you guys as some of the craziest episodes that are based in real-life events. Now, arguably, um, Home, as we just discussed, could see as it's a little bit based in reality, but that's speculative at best, right? Let's hope so. I mean, um, there's also a couple like Firewalker and Obulate. Um, These use the kind of, like we talked about, true story mentality um, like, hey, there there was just this one aspect that's true. Like Firewalker from season two is based on Mulder and Scully investigating the deaths around Firewalker, which is a robot designed for exploring deep parts of volcanoes. Um, now, aside from the deaths, this is true, uh, but Mulder and Scully discover evidence of a silicon-based life form able to thrive in extreme temperatures. They really do have robots that are designed for that, but... There has been no evidence of silicon-based life forms in volcanoes. Because the government's covering it up. Probably. Mm. Now, Obulette in season three, this was based on the 93 kidnapping of Polly Class, who was taken at knife point from her home in Pasadena while she was with her friends at a sleepover and was later murdered. Um, X-File features a similar kidnapping, but the agents are able to save the girl. Now, that, that was funny. Well, I like your note. They went the other way on. Well, yeah, they kind of said, hey, let's have it to where the girl is saved. You know, they couldn't get that macabre on it. There is also uh, Field Where I Died, season four, which is based on the events that took place at Waco, um, Branch Davidian Compound. You guys familiar? Slightly. This was in 93, resulted in 76 deaths, 17 of which were children. Crazy um, for that one. Yeah, this was big controversy in regards to trusting the government. This actually led to, this was one of the straws that killed the camel leading to the Oklahoma City bombings. Um, now, the X-Files telling has many similarities to the Branch Davidians, uh, aside from dealing with reincarnation, regression, hypnosis. It's pretty much just like Waco. Um, the FBI standoff in the episode, however, ends up the cult drinks poison, just like in Jonestown. They aren't uh, set ablaze like in Waco. Um, there is also Sign und Zeit and Closure, two-parter, in season seven. What's all the German references? Hey, you're going to have to ask Mr. Carter that. <laughs> uh, this one draws inspiration from the John Bonet Ramsey case of 96, one of the most infamous murder cases of the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, after John Bonet went missing in her her uh, own home, her mother found a strange ransom note. Um, her body was found in the house eight hours later. Cause of death: fracture to the skull, coupled with asphyxiation. Uh, both her parents and older brother, who I believe was nine, were suspects at one point, but have since been ruled out, and the case remains unsolved to this day. Um, the X Files episode involves a similar disappearance. And the death of a young girl throws in some more supernatural elements. And the ransom note in the episode starts with the very same words as in the Ramsey case. Mm. Listen 
carefully. Ooh. But this is where stuff gets weird, guys. This is where we are bringing you the absolute truth. Um, so, Drive, Season 6, Episode 2. This was the one written by Vince Gilligan. Uh, the basis of this episode is a guy who, who is Brian Cranston has a frequency in his head. A young Brian Cranston? Yeah. Uh, th- this was like uh, Malcolm in the Middle days, Brian Cranston. Mm. Uh, he's got this frequency in his head from a project similar to Harp. Um, and this frequency will kill him if he moves further away from where the signal is being emitted. Now, the basis was obviously rooted in High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program, also known as HARP, which is a collaborative research program that began in 93 involving the U.S. Navy, the Air Force, University of Alaska, and Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, also known as DARPA. Now, that is actually scary as fuck. Uh, I've got a book up there. Um, which we could probably do a whole episode on DARPA and all the shit that they've done. I mean, we could do a whole episode on that. Look into that. They're crazy for that, that one. That one's crazy. Now, essentially, HARP, the HARP facility, it's up in Alaska, and it is a um, high-power, high-frequency transmitter used to study the ionosphere. Ah, uh, the ionosphere. Yes. You guys familiar? Adam knows about the pilot episode. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I no, am. this is now, this is not anything to do with the episode. This is real life. I'm messing with Ionosphere you. sounds like a conspiracy to me. Okay. Now, let's take a look at some of the theories around HARP. Essentially, it's like uh, they study the ionosphere. They bounce these frequencies, these signals, and they can kind of manipulate. Um, what a lot of people say is that this is how they manipulate weather patterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you never heard of this conspiracy theory? Let's take a look at some of the theories. So, Nick... Bejic Jr., uh, the son of the late U.S. Representative Nick Bejic, is author of Angels Don't Play This Harp. <laughs> Great title. Very creative. <laughs> now, he claims that the harp facility could trigger earthquakes and even turn the upper atmosphere into a giant lens so that the sky would literally appear to burn. Uh, he maintains a website that claims harp is a mind control device. A Russian military journal wrote that ionospheric testing would, quote, trigger a cascade of electrons that could flip Earth's magnetic poles, Mm. end quote. The European Parliament held hearings about HARP, citing environmental concerns. Uh, Former governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura, questioned whether the government is using the site to manipulate the weather or bombard people with mind-controlling radio waves. Great show. You remember that show, Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura? <laughs> Great fucking show. It's basically him just driving around a, jar- a Dodge Challenger in a leather jacket going, that's a conspiracy. I, I'm an old frog man, and even I know that these radio antenna are not used uh, for what you're saying they're used for. <laughs> Don't you know? And we're going to drive up to Alaska and see what Harp's really about. You you won't let me into the facility? I'm an old frog man. Surely I can get into this secret government facility with no credentials. (laughs) I'm the governor, for God's sakes. I was a governor and an old frog man. (laughs) 
<laughs> you can tell by the challenger that I mean business. It's like every episode was just him talking about how he was a Navy SEAL so <laughs> he can do anything. It's um, basically like if Triple D was just but conspiracy just driving theories. around the whole time. It's Triple conspiracy. D conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Now, um, physicist Bernard Eastland claimed that Harp includes technology based on his own patents. Thank you. That has the capability to modify weather and neutralize satellites. Now, it has been proposed as a cause of low-frequency background hums uh, said to be heard in various locations around the world. They think Harp is the cause of this. You guys seen like videos of that? Like, uh, I think it's like big in the UK. They hear these like real loud hums all the time. Hmm. You ever seen that? I've not. Um, all as well as this has been cited as the cause of Gulf War syndrome, uh, major power outages, and even the downing of TWA Flight 800. Uh, two men from Georgia were arrested on drug charges in November of 2016, plotting domestic terrorism based on conspiracy theories around HARP. The Coffee County Sheriff's Office said the men possessed a massive arsenal that included AR-15s, Glock handguns, Remington rifles, thousands of rounds of ammunition, and according to police, the men wanted to destroy HARP because they believe the facility manipulates the weather controls minds and even traps people's souls maybe it seems to be an episode okay now also i think like chemtrails are connected with harp um like a lot of people say there some chemtrails could be like uh different chemicals that they're kind of dumping out there um to get their frequencies to work better and manipulating the weather controlling storms um basically just Boom, making flights crash right out the air. A uh, lot, lot of crazy shit going on with Harp. Um, look into it. Like Teabag was saying, each one of these episodes that we are talking about now could be its own episode. But we're just giving you the cliff notes, the jumping off points. Um, like we said earlier, we're giving you the dots. Go ahead and connect them. Now, uh, another one. Uh, we got the... Erlenmeyer flask. Is that how you say that? Sure. Season one, episode 24 is the finale, also written by Mr. Carter. Uh, you guys know this episode, right? Uh, paramedics nope. were exposed to the blood of an alien human hybrid. This sounds like every episode so far. Sounds crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, exhibit A, Gloria Ramirez, also known as the toxic lady. I thought that was Britney Spears. No, no, no. It's a different toxic. <laughs> so the, the real life um, basis for this, Gloria Ramirez, toxic lady, she was rushed to Riverside General in Riverside, California. Just north of us. Yep, February of 94 due to late stage cervical cancer. While administering treatment, several workers fainted and experienced shortness of breath and muscle spasms. Five in all were hospitalized, and one remained in ICU for two weeks. Ramirez herself died shortly after arriving. Mm. Livermore Labs, I guess who uh, looked into this, proposed that Ramirez had been using dimethyl sulfoxide, DMSO, 
Sorry, sounds bad, dude. Uh, a solvent used as a powerful degreaser as a home remedy for pain. <laughs> <laughs> now, oxygen administered by the paramedics would have combined with the DMSO to form dimethyl sulfone. Electronic shocks administered during the emergency defibrillation. That's how you say that, right? You got it. Uh, could have been then converted to DMSO2 into dimethyl sulfate, DMSO4. The highly toxic dimethyl of sulfuric acid, um, exposure to which could have caused some of the reported symptoms. Um, this, however, has not been confirmed and has never been able to be recreated in a lab setting. However... Um, the symptoms displayed by the nursing staff members who fell ill while caring for Ramirez are not consistent with dimethyl sulfate exposure. After being released from an autopsy, the DMSO conclusion was listed as the probable cause of the hospital workers' um, symptoms. Uh, the Ramirez family, however, disagreed. And the Ramirez family's pathologist was unable to determine a cause of death because her heart was missing. Ugh. Now, beyond this theory, no credible explanation has ever been offered for the case of Gloria Ramirez. Now, what are we thinking right there? I mean, that right there is crazy. You've got five hospital workers just becoming ill after being in contact with this lady, and they, they never offer a credible explanation for this? Cocaine's a hell of a drug. You think she was doing coke? I don't know, but she had cervical cancer. What's that mean? What does that have to do with cocaine? <laughs> Next, Maybe uh, someone was just trying to steal her heart, use it for a transplant. Those things are expensive, you know? Then they're like, oh, we're sick. Oh, Heart's missing. Weird. <laughs> well, imagine if you pulled out somebody's heart in the hospital. Those five people would be freaking out, man. Okay. Yeah, some do say yeah, it was mass out. hysteria, but I don't know how that works. You ever seen uh, Temple of Doom? <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm sure that that's Zing. what it was. <laughs> um, oh, were you there? You don't know. Maybe so you think... Ripped her heart out. Everyone fucking fainted. Yep. Didn't know what happened. Didn't remember. And oh, you know. think the Indian god Kali was there doing some sort of ritual Kali with the fucking Kali. stones and came in and ripped her heart down over a lava pit. Maybe that's where they got the inspiration. Maybe. All right. Based so, on a true story. Based on true events. <laughs> okay, so we've got Scully and Mulder on the case who think it was Kali <laughs> <laughs> ripping the heart out. Well, now, do you know where the heart went? Nobody does. That's the mystery. He does. That's a mystery. So next one up, F. Emasculata, season two, episode 22. Again, written by Mr. Carter. Hello. Uh, Rob, we watched this one recently. Of course he did. It's um, about emasculation. This is about a sample of a disease in South America that is sent illegally to a prison in Virginia. Uh, they quarantine the whole place, and Scully learns that numerous prisoners have been infected purposely and are being used like lab rats. Just mm. like in real life, guys. Oh, yeah. Check this out. Real life inspiration for this. In December of 1989, a number of crab-eating macaque um, 
This is a type of monkey, I guess. They were imported from Mindanao Island in the Philippines um, with the Ebola virus. A bunch of these things had Ebola virus. and they oh, were, let's take them to <laughs> Well, they didn't know at the time, but they got, they maybe wound don't up. I think they knew at the time. Yeah, maybe they did. They wound up um, being taken to Covance's Hazelton Research Products Primate Quarantine Unit in Reston, Virginia, uh, right by the old office. So look out, everybody in Reston. Um, this company was using the monkeys there for research purposes, and the virus was confirmed in one monkey, suspected in others, among a group of 100. Uh, however, luckily, these particular strains were not infectious to humans, and no human illnesses were reported. That's what they want you to think. But this did remind me of the West African mm-hmm. Ebola mm-hmm. epidemic, right? You guys, exactly what I was thinking. You guys remember that? How how up in arms everybody was about that? Oh, all the kids were freaking out, like, "Oh, you got Ebola virus!" Like I remember, like everyone thought as soon as there were those few cases in like Texas, right? It's all over, yeah. Everyone thought that everyone was going to die. Mm-hmm. Now, in total, there was eleven thousand three hundred and ten deaths. Uh, mostly in Africa from this. Now, I think there was only four in the U.S., right? I remember there's a handful for sure. Now, this episode also reminded me, it's no secret, government's always using people for experiments. You guys ever heard of the Tuskegee syphilis study? Fucked up, dude. (laughs) Go on. So this was an unethical and malicious clinical study conducted between 1932 and 1972 by the U.S. Public Health Service. Purpose of this study was to observe the natural progression of untreated syphilis in rural African-American men in Alabama under the ruse of receiving free health care from the United States government. So if you have better health care than I do, be careful, people. Total of 622 poor African American sharecroppers from Alabama were enrolled beginning in 1932. Of them, 431 had previously contracted syphilis before the study. 169 did not have the disease. The men were given free health care, free medical care, meals, and free burial insurance for participating in the study. Yikes. Uh, These men were told that the study was only going to last six months, but it actually lasted 40 years. After funding for treatment was lost, the study was continued without informing the men that they would never be treated. Uh, none of the men infected were ever told that they had the disease, and none were treated with penicillin, even after it was proven to successfully treat syphilis. According to the Centers for Disease Control, the men were told that they were being treated for bad blood a term that was used to describe various conditions such as syphilis, anemia, and fatigue. Basically, this guy Peter Buxton uh, blew the lid off of this, and this led to major changes in future studies. But that does not change the fact that the, this was condoned from 32 to 72 by the U.S. Public Health Service. Mm. Very fucked up. Probably one of the more fucked up ones we're talking about. So next up, we got Nisei. This is season four, episode nine. Again, written by Mr. Carter and 
Frank Spotnitz helped out writing this one. Uh, this, in the fictional X-Files episode, this is based around our boy Fox and his efforts to uncover an alien autopsy video. Now, this one is straight up based off a real-life alien autopsy video, which was released in 95 and even aired on Fox in the documentary Alien Autopsy Fact or Fiction. Now, this was on your TV earlier when yeah, I Yeah, this is a, um, Alien Autopsy Fact or Fiction. You can find the documentary on, I think it's on Netflix now. Uh, but in this documentary, there is a video that is 17 minutes long, uh, black and white, depicts the medical examination of an ET body allegedly from the aftermath of the Roswell crash of 1947. So Fox airs this documentary. It's all about the footage. Um, this is in 95, and they've got numerous directors, special effects guys, scientists claiming that this is authentic. Um, this sparks a huge Please. debate over the film. Uh, this is often cited as the Zapruder film of ufology. Um, now, this video can be traced back to this guy, Ray Santilli, uh, and he claims to have gotten the video from a retired military cameraman who wished to remain anonymous. Mm. Well, isn't that a mystery? But they did do a background check, found out he was legit. This is like deep throat, deep cover in the Watergate scandal. Another episode of The X-Files. Now, in 2006, Santilli actually admitted that the video was, in fact, not legitimate. But! Ugh. He says it was a recreation of the actual video. While numerous people in the 2006 documentary interviewed referred to the film as a fake, Santilli insists it is a reconstruction, a restoration of the authentic footage he viewed in the early 90s, claiming that by the time he had enough money to purchase the original, only a few frames were still intact. The rest had been uh, degraded beyond the point of usability. And there are a few clips from the actual video in this 17-minute footage. What are we thinking there? This guy's full of shit. I mean, he was a businessman. He's probably made millions off of this um, video. That's what they said. They also said the video is real. They said it's a recreation of the real video they saw. After they released it, <laughs> saying that it was real. So you're thinking there was no, there was never any alien autopsy footage? No. Okay. If there is, it's locked up. And we're never going to see it, you think? You think old Trump's going to fucking leak that on Twitter? No, he's an idiot. <laughs> okay. He's a shill. Teabag? Consensus? I take one week off, and now we're a political podcast. Come now, on, fellas. So what's your consensus on this whole Santilli guy? Fraud? S scum. So alien autopsy, fact or fiction, we're saying fiction? No, I think it really happened. I think he was just trying to cash in on it. Okay, okay. It's like the Paris Hilton sex tape. Okay. Cue the whistle. That was real. All right. Now, to sum it all up, um, this one to me is probably the saddest of all. So we're going to end on a sad note. Oh. Before kicking it up next week to discuss the films. Unrequited. Season 4, Episode 16. Written by Howard Gordon and Mr. Carter. Chica. Um <laughs> Now, I think uh, right up there with the syphilis study, this is probably the most fucked up. 
Now, in the X-Files episode, this involves a POW from Vietnam uh, who learns the guerrilla warfare tactics of the Viet Cong and uses them to track and murder the army officials responsible for leaving POWs behind. You're thinking of Rambo. (laughs) That's that's the plot of Rambo. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, the real story, again, not that far off. But also a lot of speculation, a lot of history. I mean, the Vietnam War ended, um, what, like almost more than 43 years ago? Uh, And who knows what the fuck is still under Mm. wraps by the government. Um, Now, let me just lay it all out there and see what you guys think by the end of this. Now, this, uh, the real issue is all about the POW MIA issue. Um, And this has been slowly developing since the Vietnam War ended which concerns the fate of the United States servicemen who were reported as missing in action during the Vietnam War. The term also refers to issues related to the treatment of affected family members by the government involved in these conflicts. Uh, Now, following the Paris Accords, 591 American POWs were returned during Operation Homecoming. The U.S. listed about... 2,500 Americans as prisoners of war or missing in action, and only 1,200 Americans were reported to have been killed in action with no body recovered. Now, many of these men were American airmen shot down over North Vietnam or Laos. Investigations of these incidents have tried determining whether the men survived being shot down. If they did not survive, then the U.S. government considered efforts to recover the soldiers' remains. Um, POW MIA activists played a role in pushing the U.S. government to improve its efforts in resolving the fates of the missing soldiers. Uh, Progress in doing so was slow until mid-1980s when relations with U.S. and Vietnam began to improve. Um, By the 90s, they had taken more and more efforts, and considerable speculation and investigation has contributed to a hypothesis that a significant number of U.S. soldiers from the Vietnam conflict were captured as POWs by communist forces and kept as prisoners after U.S. involvement in the war concluded in '73. So there was a vocal group of activists um, that maintains there has been a conspiracy by the Vietnamese and American government since then to hide the existence of these prisoners. And the U.S. government has denied that prisoners were left behind or that any effort has been made to cover up their existence. Um, This has become known as the live prisoners theory. Now, see, my thing is, how you know, Highly controversial conflict to begin with. Yeah. How many of these guys went over there and were just like, fuck it, this place is dope, man. I'm just going to stay here. Oh, yeah. Bang I mean, some whores. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there was like a number of deserters. Um, but a- as we'll see, I mean, not even just like deserters, like necessarily, like maybe the war, you know, the ceasefire happens or whatever. And they're just like, fuck it, dude. I'm never going back home. Yeah, but uh, this one, I think, is not... Uh, this. Would those guys be on a missing in action or killed in action, nobody recovered list? Maybe they disappeared during battle. I don't, I don't know. I, that's, so then they would, in fact, be a deserter. I guess. Now, uh, okay. So hear this out. Interest in the matter intensified in June of 92 when the president of the Russian Federation, Boris Yeltsin... 
uh, told NBC News in an interview that some Americans captured during the Vietnam War may have been transferred from Hanoi to the Soviet Union. Um, he says, and we quote, Our archives have shown that it is true. Some of them were transferred to a territory in the former USSR and were kept in labor camps. We don't have complete data and we can only surmise that some of them may still be alive. Now, Ross Perot also stated that he believed hundreds of American servicemen were left behind in Southeast Asia and that government officials were covering up POW MIA investigations in order to not reveal a drug smuggling operation used to finance a secret war in Laos. Mm. Now, that's a pretty deep one. Um, (laughs) However, several congressional investigations have looked into the issue culminating with the largest and most thorough the United States Senate Select Committee on POW MIA Affairs from 91 to 93, led by Senators John Kerry, Bob Smith, and John McCain. Shout out. RIP. Now, this found no compelling evidence that proves that any American remains alive in captivity. Hey, man, if you ain't want to be found over in Southeast Asia... Now, as of June 20th, 2018, according to the U.S. Department of Defense Prisoner of War Missing Personnel Office, there is still 1,597 unaccounted for to this day. Now, I mean, what do we think about that? I mean, like you were saying, yeah, some people probably could have gone missing. Uh, You know, maybe the records were like spotty at best. I thought I heard like a lot about... um, Because I was reading into this, and I didn't want to go full death because, you know, we only had one episode to cover all these different conspiracy theories. But this one, I mean, think about it. It's the Vietnam War. How many of these guys were blown up and, like, just, you know, pulverized? Mm. Remains never found. Mm. Um, That could be the case. But time and time again, like, um, what came through was, like, uh, so one of the most fucked up things I was reading about in this article that I have cited as our ending quote, um, radio signals came through from a base set up in Thailand where these guys were trained by the NSA and the CIA to like intercept um, North Vietnam radio stuff. And they were saying all these messages were coming through about these prisoners that um, they, they kept after the war to kind of barter with the U.S. for its... Uh, reconstruction efforts like i think they wanted like um in the peace accords that nixon signed with them said they would pay like close to three close to four billion dollars in repercussions for the war from the u.s so they kept these other prisoners as uh to like barter to be sure they got that money they wanted that mcdonald's in hanoi square yep and apparently they just brushed this off and were like hey we're not negotiating this they just fucking abandoned these guys they fucking left them behind and you know think about it some of these guys were drafted they went off fighting for a country want to go yeah they they thought hey these guys are going to get me no matter what and they just left them there, abandoned these guys, uh, you know? That's the government for you. I mean, to this day, 1,500 still unaccounted for. You could chalk it up to spotty records in wartime back in the 70s, but is that really, the margins are really going to be that big, you think? Mm. No way. I mean, think about it. We covered it on our Watergate episode. Nixon administration, um, government at the time, shady at best. Um, 
And these investigations have only uncovered more fuckery and, and cover-ups afoot. I mean, this guy, uh, Sidney H. Schattenberg, uh, he wrote a great article on the debate in a September 94 issue of Penthouse. Oh, I bet he did. Oh, that's <laughs> I was, it. Yeah, I was doing some Rob Stone research. <laughs> <on here>. Some <laughs> Rob Scott research. Pre-Snapchat. Um, seriously, though, check this article out, though. <laughs> And check out that issue of Penthouse. While yeah, you're check at out it. this issue of Penthouse. It's got this great article in it uh, titled "Did America Abandon Vietnam War POWs? A Closer Look at an Ugly Issue." Oh, see, that's an ugly issue in itself. I don't think I want politics with my pornography. Hey, man, There's probably some ugly girls in there, and that's why it's an ugly <laughs> issue. That's exactly what he's writing about. A lot of people just say, "Hey, I don't want to think about the Vietnam War. I don't want to think about my government doing this fucked up shit." And that's why these guys were forgotten about. Mm. They didn't get the help that they needed um now he writes it is not conspiracy theory not paranoid myth not rambo fantasy it is only hard evidence of a national disgrace american prisoners were left behind at the end of the vietnam war they were abandoned because six presidents and official washington could not admit their guilty secret they were forgotten because the press and most americans turned away from all things that reminded them of Vietnam. And on that note... And there you have it, guys. I mean, X-Files, connect the dots. Um, look into this stuff, guys. I mean, you know, Chris Carter, he was really doing something um, pretty creative here. He was writing these episodes as fiction, basing them in reality. You know, there, there's a thin line between fiction and reality. Thin red line. A Thin Red Line. Great fucking film. Um, but yeah, um, look into this stuff. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. We tried to cram as much as we could into um, one episode. But like we were saying, you know, each of these could be its own episode. So um, let us know what you guys thought was the most interesting. Uh, if you had any opinions on these or if you want us to dive deeper on one of these subjects that we covered here, um, let us know. Feel free to shoot us a message. And uh, other than that... As always, you know, feel free to send questions, comments, concerns, compliments, podcast from outer space at gmail.com or hit us up on the gram, slide in those DMs, podcast from outer space. And on that note, so long and thanks for all the fish. How could this be? The land of the free, home of the brave, indigenous holocaust, and the home of the slaves, corporate America, dancing offbeat to the rhythm. You really think this country never sponsored terrorism? Human rights violations, we continue the saga. El Salvador and the Contras and Nicaragua. And on top of that, you still want to take me to prison just because I won't trade humanity for patriotism. It's like MK Ultra controlling your brain suggested